This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Wayne in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well today. A new sense of freedom abounds. That is a very good thing. Long may it last. And who would you like to introduce to us today? Today, I would like to introduce Judy Bellingham. Judy is um, someone I have known since I was about 13 years old, and she was my teacher at Darfield High School. And it's been amazing through social media to have been able to um, build a new relationship, adult to adult instead of child to teacher. Uh, And um, Judy is one of the most positive, wonderful women I have ever known in my life. So it's such, so lovely to be able to talk to you today, Judy. Oh, thank you. It doesn't really sound like me, though. I just always feel that I'm just me. Mawira well, you do tell- very well at being just you, I have to say. <laughs> Mawira was telling stories about you last week. Yes, she was telling me before we went it on was. air. I think, oh, gosh, I hope they were all good ones. They were... Yep. It's, you know, in life, um, there's there's people that come along and they almost act like little marker posts. And they say, you're on the right track. They come into your life at the right time where you need somebody to say, yep, you can do this and you're on the right track and you have been that person for me. And so many of the people I've kept in touch with over the years, you were that person for them too. Well, it's interesting because Darfield High School, I think, must have been a bit of a melting pot because I caught up, well, I didn't catch up recently, but Edward Stott put on his Facebook page that I was the most influential teacher that he'd he'd ever had. But I didn't set out to be influential. I just set out because I was taught music and was head of music. I just set out to try and impart my passion for music. That was all I tried to do. And in doing so, you've changed people's lives. lives. Well, yes. But see, what I remember about Marvera was that she had a different name and she played the trumpet. Now, did you know that, Sam? I did (laughs) not know that. Yeah, you see. And she was in the school orchestra, school band. I loved it. And the Scalera Auxiliary Brass Band as well. I I don't remember that, but that might have been after I left. It probably was. Yeah, I don't play anymore, but I play the piano now instead. Well, that's probably easier on the (laughs) neighbours. 
although I think there's nothing worse than a child learning to play the violin. That I think is excruciating. And my <laughs> all my children learned to play the violin, and I was a terrible violin mother. You didn't dissuade them of that. <laughs> no, no, they don't play now. But they, my two daughters are great music lovers, um, but my son is not at all. I think I managed to put him off completely. So, how was lockdown for you? How was your bubble? I loved it. I was in a solo bubble. I was just me. Um, my eldest daughter is quite severely immunocompromised, so I didn't go anywhere near her and she didn't come anywhere near me. And my son, these are the two of my children who are in Dunedin, my son had a newborn baby and his partner is a type 1 diabetic, so I didn't go anywhere near them. So I was in a solo bubble and I just found it great. I retired from the university this time last year after 25 years there, and I was a bit adrift, really. I didn't, I mean, I was, I've still been carrying on teaching. I've got, you know, a certain number of private students, but I didn't have any purpose to my life, and the, apart from the teaching. And then along came lockdown, and I started walking. Now, why did I not walk when I retired? But I've been walking three to four kilometers every day, which I have really enjoyed. Um, I, of my students, two-thirds of them decided to keep going via Zoom. And it's really interesting teaching singing via Zoom because I discovered when you use an iPad, you can't play the piano at the same time. So that, for me, was really, really good. And I think it was for the students because they had to sing to me unaccompanied, which meant they had to know their music inside out and upside down in whatever way you like to say. They couldn't sing wrong notes. They couldn't sing wrong rhythms. And I think, you know, that's sort of really like stripping yourself naked in front of your, in front of your teacher. And so I think the performance, when they end up performing in public, it will be much, much easier for them than had I been able to play for them. I always knew that I played too much in lessons, but I couldn't really stop myself. And now I have stopped myself. So that was my teaching that kept me going. And then... I love cooking, and so I went through my recipe drawer and sorted it out. I have cooked healthy meals, healthy lunches, used wonderful ingredients such as buckwheat flour, amaranth, chickpea flour, um, and it's been really, really good, and I've now got my freezer pretty full of homemade meals that will probably last me for the next three months so that when I do have a teaching late at night, I can just get a meal out, and there it is. So for me, the bubble was great. The, the funniest thing was going to church, sitting at my desk at the computer and singing the hymns lustily unaccompanied. <laughs> I thought anybody who, who walked past would wonder what on earth I was doing. But I found that mysteriously moving. Let's okay. take the first of your music choices. Who have you got? So the first choice was Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, the great German soprano, singing Danny Boy. And why that one? She was, she has passed away, a most amazing soprano. She was a complete individualist. She was married to Bruno Walter, the great conductor, and he was a Nazi. 
And that sort of did um, taint her career a little bit. But she was a very individualist uh, interpreter of much German song. And, of course, I've not chosen German song. I've chosen the great Irish song, Danny Boy. But what I love was is the way she sings it. Her English is remarkable for a German speaker. But there's a note in there. That it's actually a top G. And to my ears, it sounds like the most amazing droplet of silver. And I used to listen to it three or four times every Sunday morning before I went to church because I just loved the sound. It's you, it's you, must go. 
Can you hear your students' droplets of silver over Zoom? Does it work? Yeah, well, the sound is not the greatest, but what Zoom did do was, you know, we have that expression, the camera never lies. So when you when one, when anybody's teaching singing, postural alignment is huge. So that when they're singing to you on Zoom, if the head comes forward slightly, you can, for a high note, for instance, you can see it. And the other thing you can see really, really clearly is the movement of the tongue. And, you know, I have a favorite quote, and that is that St. Paul said, the tongue is the offending member. And to get the tongue under control for a lot of people is really, really difficult because as you sing higher and higher, the tongue wants to pull back in the mouth. And that, of course, then blocks off your access to your air. So um, posturally and physiologically, teaching via Zoom was really, really good. But I would have said 80% successful, maybe 85%. But I've just started now teaching face-to-face again. And, I mean, nothing takes away from that. I've been impressed by all of those bands. The New Zealand Army Band has done a good one, where they've got all of the faces all singing together. Yeah, and you know that they're I not actually that's... singing together, they've pieced them together. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal because, I mean, I don't know how, how I would do that. I'm a bit of a technological dinosaur, so I haven't even attempted to do that. <laughs> but then again, I also haven't listened to much music during the lockdown because I need, for me, I need the ambience of being in a concert venue. And also, when you are teaching singing three or four times a day, there's enough music in my life that I don't have to listen to music when I finish teaching. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mehi aroha nui kia koutou, I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that the second day of level one has just been a continuation and an expansion of that sense of joy and bliss and liberation and freedom and reunion and recognition and recognition of who you are and what you can do as we journey back into consensus reality once more and the busyness and the activity of our lives returns with i hope new skills and a deepening understanding of who we are and how we want our lives to be so that the best and most precious aspects of ourselves can come forward and be fulfilled and contribute even more consciously to the co-evolution that we're all part of on this paradise planet as a triumph of nature's art, a product of literally billions of years of evolution connected to all life in an infinite web, here we are. So for me, I'm very excited because of course, now that we're all back together in level one, we can restart all our exciting scientific research and community engagement at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, where I'm very lucky to have worked for the last 11 years. And Orokanui Eco Sanctuary is, of course, a safe place and a sanctuary for our native birds, our native plants. And it's a way for us as a species of animal 
to understand what is possible when we work together with a shared vision, what we can create, what we can restore, and what we can value and protect. So it's very exciting to begin our research again with our beautiful South Island Kaka. And over the next few months, we're going to be placing transmitters on these beautiful native parrots. And we're going to be monitoring them and we're going to be following where they go using GPS and GIS software. We're also going to be engaging with the local community and our local schools so they're going to be able to get involved. And in this way, we're going to see where the kaka go when they leave the safety of the eco-sanctuary, which of course they're free to do at any time because they can fly. And we're going to find out what are the best ways for us to protect them and support them, being that they are these amazing, highly intelligent, beautiful birds who, of course, are free and want to explore. And we don't want to try to do anything except support them and protect them while they do that. So, of course, this got me thinking about our own understandings of safety and sanctuary and also our own understandings of kaitiakitanga guardianship and our role as caregivers on this paradise planet. And of course we have had to behave very like these kaka now. We're leaving the sanctuary of our bubbles and we have been monitoring and keeping an eye on where we are going, where each other are going. And we're being asked to continue to do this just in case we need any additional protection. And with these notions of sanctuary and guardianship, often they are based on an understanding of the needs, the needs of the kaka in order to survive or our own needs in order to feel safe and our own well-being and of course all these ideas are constantly evolving the ideas of what we need the ideas of what our native species need to survive and thrive are constantly evolving and the best thing of course that we can do is take part add our own perceptions add our own opinions do as much as we possibly can to learn more about our needs and the needs of the life that surrounds us. And in this way, I think, we will continue to create the most beautiful sanctuaries around us every day. So I hope that for all of you, you're really enjoying this renewed sense of safety and support from the community around you. And I really hope that as we venture forth further and further into level one, the new freedoms that you find many, many new ways to feel that your everyday life is a sanctuary for you. And I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You once did a Masters of Entrepreneurship on getting people along to recitals. <laughs> is that what I did it on? Oh, that's what, that's what it says you did it on. No. No, I did. I did. I certainly did a master of entrepreneurship, but it wasn't on getting people along to my to recitals. I um, one had to do a series of papers. I mean, it was designed for people who were actually working full time, 
so you did lectures once every six weeks, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nine in the morning till six at night. <coughs> Excuse me. So by the time you got to six at night on Saturday, your brain was pretty fried. So you did you did five papers in a business development project. And the business development project was actually on a book that I was writing called Sing What You See, See What You Sing, which was designed to help people um, learn to read music and sing at the same time. And it was a, <coughs> excuse me, it was an, um, an initiative of the New Zealand Choral Federation. Because in this country, we have so many wonderful Maori and Pacifica singers, especially young men who sing absolutely sublimely, but who can't read. They tend to sing by ear, and yet their aspiration is to join a European-style choir. So that was why the book was written. My kids all went through the cathedral choir, and that's one of the things that I'm so, ex- I'm so pleased that they can do, is that they can do that. Yes, and I think that's going to be revived too with the new dean who seems to be very musical and who has a philosophy of, of um, encouraging the choral tradition that's so inherent in the cathedral here. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown. Why, hi there, bubble folk. What's happening? It's Liesl here saying hey from from my little old bubble, reaching out to your little old bubble and just hopefully giving you a big virtual hug of love and delight. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really a hugger. I've said that before. Weird that I feel quite comfortable saying that out loud in the virtual space. Let's just have a big hug. I guess because it is in the virtual space, maybe that's why I feel comfortable with it, because it's not a real hug. Ha, got it. Okay, that's that's why I felt okay about that one. Anyway, the hug is real in my mind. It's just I'm not very good at them in the physical sense of the hug. Anyway, I digress from my original thoughts, which were along the lines of something quite different from hugging. And um, I was just thinking about talking about our fears. Hmm, fears, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, probably the one that we don't really want to go into very often, um, because fears are the scary bits, and of course, who wants to go and talk about the scary bits of our life? Yeah, much easier to just hide that away somewhere and pretend it doesn't exist. That's what fears should be, shouldn't they? We just hide them away. Well, that is the easy way, definitely, and I have... I avoid, yes, I avoid my fears to some degree, but I can talk about them. I I usually can talk about them, yeah. And I think fear is one of those things that if you do talk about fear, it actually often frees you from your fear as well because one of the things that fear has over us is that in our minds, whatever it is that we're sort of afraid of or fearful of is usually far bigger than it actually is when you start to sort of break it down. And once it's smaller, it's more manageable. And once it's sort of talked about, you've got some support. And yeah, I don't know. I think there's different kinds of fears. So for a start, one of the fears that I have is, um, well, people laughing at me, actually, I think. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah, because that, that builds into a whole lot of different things. But I think 
I like to be good at stuff and I like to be able to do things really well right away, you know, look like a bit of an expert. And I'm guessing I'm talking for a few people here because we all sort of want to feel like we're good at stuff, don't we? Um, but the idea of people kind of laughing at me, yeah, that is, that doesn't, doesn't appeal. And um, I think some of the things that have, that I guess I've stopped myself from doing have been because I was afraid people might laugh at me um, or say that's dumb or something like that. And weirdly, one of those things is music because I, I grew up learning to play the piano and went to violin lessons, cello lessons, guitar lessons, um, and was in a choir. I've always been sort of, so always part of musical communities or music groups or playing music, learning music. And the idea of singing in public just used to fill me with absolute dread, like by myself, like any kind of solo kind of thing. And I sang in a choir. I was very happy to sing with other people, you know, I had no fear of that, but singing out loud by myself, oh no, 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 no. And even playing the piano by myself was a little bit, um, a bit, a bit freaky. I didn't mind accompanying other people, kind of being a bit more in the background, which is weird because I quite like to be in the foreground. But yeah, I think I was always afraid that people might laugh at me, especially at something that I really loved. And music's always been something I love. Um, and... I guess if people were to say, oh, you're a bit dumb, or your, your voice is funny, or that was that was awful, which is actually not likely, is it? Well, especially if it's something you love and you're, you're actually okay at, like um, you've had a lot of practice at, it seems a bit ridiculous that we let our fears kind of stop us from doing A, the thing that we love, and B, um, something that we can actually just get better at by practicing. So... More recently in my life, I've started to record music. I think I've said this in another conversation, but and I've been making myself sing. And I've been doing this just really to kind of force myself to think it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. And if people think it's dumb, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter either. <laughs> and I just wonder if sometimes forcing yourself to do things sometimes does help. Sometimes that's not the answer, but getting yourself out there and trying it out and looking at it from another perspective that sometimes helps us get over some of those fears anyway i hope your fears are not holding you back i hope you're having a great day and we will talk again soon take care you talked about imparting your passion for music where did that come from i don't really know um i was brought i was born in england brought up in england my parents immigrated immigrated here um i know that my I, I had a great aunt who played the violin in the BBC Symphony Orchestra, but I don't remember her. My mother played the piano very, very slightly. My father had the most beautiful bass singing voice, but that's it. My brother is not musical at all, so I don't really know where it came from. All I know is it's the only thing that I've ever wanted to do in the whole of my life, is be involved in music. That's been your, your journey, has been... At that imparting passion for music? Totally. Um, I've started teach. well, I think terribly badly. I must have been teaching singing when I was 17. I started that when I was in the seventh form at a Portuguese college. Um, what was the seventh form then? And then I did, well, going to a Portuguese college 
was good in one respect and not so good in another respect because the guidance counsellor there didn't know anything about music. So I actually didn't do any music at school. I wasn't allowed to. Um, that actually goes, I'm blithering a bit now, because that goes back to when I was in the third and fourth form at Marsden in Wellington. And um, on my fourth form report was written for music, Judy has no ability at this subject and should give up. <laughs> and so when I changed schools at the end of the fourth form and went to Waikato Dio, that was on my report. And so I wasn't allowed to do music. And so I had two years at Waikato Dio, and then my parents sent me to a Portiki college for my seventh form year to get some co-ed education. I still had no music, so I really didn't do any music until I got to university. So I was sort of a bit behind the, the eight ball there. Um, so I started teaching singing at a Portiki when I was 17 rather badly and have just never really stopped. And then I discovered, of course, singing. I discovered singing probably when I was 12 or 13. And that's been it. And you were always a teacher at different levels? Oh, yeah, always been a teacher. The only, I've taught preschool music. So um, a friend and I started the preschool music classes in Darfield. And I used to have one on the floor, one on the, my knee and one on my back. Uh, my three children all there doing preschool <laughs> music classes. Um, so, and I've taught primary. I haven't, sorry, I haven't taught primary because Darfield High School was a one to seven high school. So you could say I've taught intermediate, taught secondary, taught tertiary. So yeah, I've taught everything except primary school music. Which level do you enjoy the most? Well, that's a really hard question. Um, I think probably the tertiary because I was teaching singing and, and only singing and that's been my love. Um, what I've found was that tertiary students had slightly more inquisitive minds than secondary school students. But one of the reasons that I left teaching secondary was, of course, the job came up at the University of Otago, which I got. But also, we were not being encouraged to teach so much as to facilitate. And had I, I always said to everybody, if I wanted to be a facilitator, I would have gone into the trade union movement. I wanted to teach. There's something magical about having a class full of spotty, smelly teenage boys and getting them to sing. That is an entire skill set that very few people who walk the earth could possibly have. And you nailed that week after I, week after week. I think I probably did it also by including movement because boys can't move. They can't go step together step kick it, they've most of them find it really awkward so my memory would tell me that i often got the boys to do movement as well as singing and they would be so concentrating on going step together step kick that they'd be singing and forget that they were singing but i also remember so many stories of boys saying that they were told they couldn't sing in tune and just to open your mouth and pretend and I can remember one boy who shall remain nameless who played the French horn and has gone on to have quite a good career playing the French horn. And he actually wrote a song um, about singing in class. It was amazing because I used to sing instructions to them. You know, I'd sing, shut up, in a, in a good Wagnerian voice. And I, it was great. Kids loved it. Let's take your second music choice. Who's this? 
So this is New Zealand's great icon, Dame Kiri Takanawa, singing um, a German lied, which is the word for song, by Richard Strauss. And the song is Die Nacht, The, La the Night. And why did I choose this? Um, it's a very, very difficult song to sing, and yet it's one that I used to sing a lot. Um, it sort of was one of my party pieces, and I just love the way Kiri sings it. I think it's just absolutely marvellous. And um, I have been privileged to meet her a couple of times. Um, the last time meet her was last time I met her was in Cardiff last year at the Marks and Spencers Food Hall, and she just came up and chatted, and it was just lovely. <laughs> so she was the, she's the patron of the Cardiff Singer of the World, and and she's. Um, very involved there and so it was i went as a member of the audience just to enjoy it and she oh, she's she's just a marvelous marvelous artist and i think the sad thing is that there are a lot of young new zealanders now who don't know who she is and i think that's a crying shame when you think out of all the singers that in the world that kerry would be in the top 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 echelon and there are new zealanders who don't know who she is
using a sample size of one, you've changed Mawira's life. Is is that a common occurrence for for teaching singing? I hmm. well, I didn't teach her singing, of course. I taught her general classroom music. I don't know. I mean, it's not the sort of thing you're told, is it? People don't come up to you and say, "Oh, Judy, you told my you changed my life because you taught singing." I do know that when I retired from the university, my final week was a very wet week because there were a lot of tears um, from both males and females when they had their last lesson with me. And that's very touching and very moving. But every every singing teacher has strengths and weaknesses. I know I've got weaknesses. I've already talked one about one of them. I played the piano too much. So, but that was very, very touching that there were so many tears. I think that with you, I've, I've reflected on this so much because now as a teacher myself, I, I look back on who are the people that have taught me and, and what have been the gifts that they've given. And for you, it was an unshakable faith that you had in me that I would go on to do something significant with my life at a time when I didn't have that from anyone else in the world. You told me over and again that I was going to go off and do amazing things, and I feel like I've done that, and there are a lot more amazing things to do, but it, there was there has to be there has to be one person that makes change happen. and you you gave me that change, and I think you must have given that to a lot of people. Yeah, and I wasn't scared. Um, well, that's very kind of you. I don't remember ever saying things like that. Hopefully it was through my actions rather than my words. But I do remember as a music teacher in a secondary school that one was always fighting for students because I wasn't, but people felt that you had to fight for students because what are you going to do with a life with music? But I always remember parent-teacher evenings where I was not scared to say to a parent, look, if your student doesn't enjoy music, don't make them do it. Or, on the other side, if your student loves music, if your child loves music, let them do it because they're going to achieve much more doing something that they enjoy. So I think I was a bit of a radical when it came to that. I also know that some of the staff there were jealous they were quite envious of what I achieved. When you say you're going for walks, you're in Roslyn. Are you managing to? Are you managing to place go for walks without going up and down the hill? No, I I purposely go up and down the hill because I I love competing against myself, and I can now come up my street without stopping. And I can go up Braid Road. The first time I went up Braid Road, I had to stop four times. Now I go up without stopping. I'm doing the Falcon Street steps. Can you believe it? <laughs> Out of a choice. I cannot believe it. I have friends who, about 20 years ago, Murray is, is a long-distance runner. And he was running up. They had to get up the Falcon Street steps to get home. And he came home one day and he said, if any of you kids ever can get up the Falcon Street steps in under two minutes, I'll buy you a new kayak. And he could only do, he could do it like about 220 or something. And their boys are now early 20s. And they were home from university for the, for the lockdown. And they decided 
that's what they were going to achieve during the lockdown. <laughs> and so now they are having to buy two kayaks. Because <laughs> the boys trained and trained and trained to be able to get up the Falcon Street steps in under two minutes. Good on them. Well, I'm, the, the steps themselves are not tr- a trouble, but it's the road going up to the steps. that That's the trouble. But then I notice that I'm doing that much more easily now too. Have you noticed any changes in the community during the lockdown and, and, and the oh. the release from lockdown? Yeah, love, loving it. I mean, I, I discovered that I, when I first started walking, I was also being a ballerina because, you know, you're walking along the footpath and somebody's coming towards you, so you swan out into the street and then you swan out back again. I think that's really lovely. I met neighbours that I hadn't met before. I mean, I've been in my home now for 19 years and I don't know the neighbours. Um, so that, that was really nice. Um, people have said to me, oh, the, we hear a lot of opera coming out of your house. And I would say, well, yeah, that's, that's what I do. You know, it's not only opera, it's actually really good <laughs> singing. Um, so, yes, I've found that's great. I've loved the bird life. And I've treated the lockdown really as a rahui on the planet Earth. It's almost as if Mother Earth has said, give the planet a rest. I'm putting a rahui on our planet. And we're just going to give it a bit of a rest and let it recover. And I hope that life will be changed, not hugely, but for the better, um, once everything's over. What would you like to see change? I'd like to see less cars. I think that's been absolutely marvellous. Less hoons hooning around. Um, More birds. I think the bird song has just been amazing. Um, and bird song is something that really appeals to me because when I was doing a lot of performing, I commissioned a lot of work by New Zealand composers and there's a lot of bird song in there. And I love to be able to sing to sort of almost a bird song accompaniment that's been created by musical instruments. I love that. Um, I think the pace of life could slow down. I think that would be a real plus. Mine has slowed down, but I've also created for myself a structure for every day rather than just going to work and then coming home from work and crashing. There's a structure to every day. Um, When I retired, I put a structure to my day, but then I beat myself up mentally when I didn't achieve my goals. So now everything's much more achievable for me and therefore I don't beat myself up mentally. Though I have to say, if I don't complete my tax return this afternoon, I will be beating myself up mentally. An ongoing project. I think that's one of the things that I think that's one of the things that we've all learnt is that we all had these great ideas of these projects we were going to do, and I went out and bought varnish to do the window sills. Haven't done them. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and I've loved the Facebook page that by New Zealand made. That is fantastic, and I'm a bit, I do quite like to drink gin, and I have the most amazing selection of New Zealand-made gins that I didn't know existed. I've got gin from Tarkika, gin from Reefton, gin from um, the Bay of Islands, gin from Kawakawa, and they're gorgeous. And I was just buying New Zealand-made to support all these fantastic artists that we've got. I bought things other than gin as well, of course. <laughs> as we move back through the lockdown levels is 
singing as performance going to return to normal and will that be the same normal it will be the same normal but i think it's i think the arts have been hit far more than has ever been made mention of in, in the media so i was listening to simon o'neill new zealand's great tenor talking the other day and he was saying you know yes he felt sorry for the the rugby players who'd lost 80 percent of their income but he said hang on he said i've lost 100 percent of mine he said, I should be in Los Angeles the day he was talking about. It. He said, I should be in Los Angeles today singing with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. He said, I, try, I fly around the world 12 times every year. He said, that has completely stopped. I've lost everything. I know my own daughter lost all, all her paid employment. I can tell you that I lost my contract work too. All the paid employment that I was doing contracting, I lost. So, yes, it will come back, um, but I think it will come back slowly. The other thing that I think will be hard is with the rise in unemployment is the entertainment dollar is going to be very, very tight. And are people going to be able to afford to go to concerts? That, for me, is the worry. Once people got over the kind of the weirdness of being let out from level four that you're allowed to be near other people again, I think more and more people have gotten over that individual protection isolation thing and actually wanting to be with other people uh, well i certainly agree with that i think also um i was talking to a colleague last night who'd been watching german television and they had had a demonstration of what happens with singing and the emission of air and he said they showed you how breath moves with ordinary speaking like i'm doing now and then they said they had somebody singing one note and they just went ah and the emission of air was three times more directed than with speaking. So I think that's why there have been no community choirs, church choirs, it will, any choirs working um, up until recently. And I think people are still going to take sing, singing as the real problem. You know, you can blow into a musical instrument and then you, when you finish playing a musical instrument, you clean it out. But you don't clean yourself out when you've finished singing. You can't. And so I think that singing is going to be the one that's going to take a little bit longer to completely revitalise. So I have some questions to end the show with. And we've got plenty of time, so we'll do them all. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh dear, that's a really, really hard question because I don't measure my life in terms of successes. In terms probably of a teaching success, um, having a student come third in the Lexus Song Quest, that was pretty special. Um, in terms of a personal success, being going to Government House and being given an MNZM for services to classical singing, that was pretty important to me. Um, from an academic point of view, when the Vice-Chancellor asked me to be the guest speaker at a graduation, that was pretty special. Um, and just having students who were asked to sing in professional situations, that's pretty special too. What did you talk about at graduation? I talked about passion and commitment, and that stemmed from my time as a school music teacher. And I said to them, I said to the, the graduates, I said, can you imagine what it's like being a school music teacher? You know, you're, if you don't have passion and if you don't have commitment, you'll never, ever succeed. And I said, I brought that passion and commitment into the job at the university. 
and and the reason the vice chancellor asked me to speak was because I had entered the app competition that the Centre for Innovation organised, and I, to my absolute astonishment, I won this app star. I was the app star, and um, it was like a, you had like the, the lion's den, no, the what's the you know the dragon's den, and you had to pitch an idea, and the um, vice chancellor was one of the judges and she rang me the next day and she said if you can put your head above the parapet like that she said i'd like would you like to speak at graduation so that was pretty special pretty nerve-wracking too you know you write a speech it takes you a month to write a speech because you go and come home after work and you change bits of it all the time so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our collection of people our team of people doing good work so you're in our super superhero mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? Oh, I have no idea. I guess passion and commitment. Well, let me, if I was to write a book, I always said I would call it Visidarte. And Visidarte is the title of a great aria from Puccini's opera Tosca. And it translates very, very loosely as love and music. And so the superpower that got me mm. into your mansion is Visidarte, love and music. That sounds good. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? A musical activist, yes. What does a musical activist do? Promotes with passion and commitment what music can do for your life and makes sure that access there is access for everyone what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? No idea. Routine. You have to get up sometime. <laughs> You're still busy. Very busy and love it. Yep. Is that a question or a statement? Um, it could have been a statement. <laughs> but let's... Yes, I am still, I am still busy. I was very busy when I worked at the university. Some people would call me a workaholic. I am not a workaholic, but I enjoy working and I love being busy. But I am not a workaholic. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, walking more. I mean, I, yes, walking more get, and getting more fit, I think, and seeing my grandchildren grow up. I have, t I have three grandchildren at the moment. My little little one, the newborn, loves being sung to. And my son is always very embarrassed about my singing. And he said, well, as long as I'm outside, you can sing to him all you like, Mum. My <laughs> four-year-old granddaughter is very musical. And that's lovely and, and seeing her develop. And my nine-year-old grandson is actually playing the guitar. He's learning the guitar at school. And I was very, very impressed with how he played the other day. So, yeah, seeing my grandchildren develop will be wonderful. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Do what you want to do. The sky is the limit. Um, if I've got time, when I lived in Darfield, I ran the great Darfield debates. We had three debates. We ran one town against country. We ran another one, New Zealand against Australia. They told me I couldn't do it, and we did it. And the final one was New Zealand against England. They told me I couldn't do it. We brought three English people out from England and had a debate in Darfield that sold out and put Darfield on the map. The sky is the limit. Moira, any last thoughts? 
Um, I think uh, that it's a really good time for reflection as we sort of, you know, another big change happens in our society, a move to level one. Um, and remembering that we can, we all have the ability to be a signpost for other people. And Judy, you definitely were one of those for me and have continued to be through my adult life too, funnily enough. <laughs> Just, and so I think that we have a, we, we remember through all of this, the messaging has been caring for and looking after one another, I think. And people, Judy, you, you just do that so well. Thank you. Well, oh, well it's a pleasure. I mean, it, it's something in me that is innate. I don't set out to do it. It's just, it's in my, it's in my personality, it's in my genes. Thank you very Great much genes. for joining us. Oh, it's been a great pleasure. I seem to have talked an awful lot. <laughs> You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and all the poddy sorts of places. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Judy Bellingham in Roslyn, Dunedin. We hope you've enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.